Greg, I have a movie pitch for you. Shoot. How about Toy Story, yeah. but with pets? I like it. Uh, starring Kevin Hart uh, and comedy legend Louis C.K. No, I have some notes. Welcome to I Have Some Notes. This is the movie podcast where we take, for the first time ever, 3D animated films that are iffy of quality and make them of quality. (laughs) Part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. My name is Colin McIntyre. I am Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. Uh, And as I mentioned, we've, on this podcast, uh, we've done many a film. We have never done a 3D Okay, I shouldn't say we haven't done cartoons, because every superhero movie is a cartoon. But we've never done, like, a 3D, like, kids cartoon. Yeah. No. I don't know that we've done a... Well, no, we did Mighty Ducks. I would... I would quantify that as a kids' movie. Yeah, but this we is yeah, and we did the, the and we did the Grinch, which yeah. is uh, definitely a kids' movie. Yeah, but this yeah. is the the, the 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 first time ever doing a, uh, a a a children's animated film. We're doing Secret Life of Pets. This is the uh, 2016 uh, 3D uh, computer animated comedy film uh, directed by Chris Minard, I think is how you pronounce his last name, um, who is actually responsible. Resp- I say responsible as if like he should be punished. <laughs> uh, despicable Me. I, I, I would. <laughs> Genuinely agree with that, but uh, uh, actually directed Despicable Me one and two, uh, also the Lorax, and also is the co-creator of the Minions. So, uh, so this is one of his film. Uh, stars um, uh, has a pretty uh, pretty good ensemble cast. Well, well, we're just, let's just throw it out right right now. This was made during peak Louis C.K. Uh, era in comedy and show business. So it stars Louis C.K. Uh, also, is Eric Stone Street, Kevin Hart, Jenny Slate, Ellie Kemper, Lake Bell, Dana Carvey makes an appearance, uh, Albert Brooks, um, Hannibal Burris. Hannibal Burris is uh, in there, Bobby uh, Moynihan. Um, so, yeah, this was, so this, you know, it's 2019. Louis C.K. seems like a not a great casting now, obviously, with um, yeah. uh, some of the harassment things that he's uh, kind of uh, uh, admitted to. And uh, so he's kind of disappeared from the culture a little bit but this was this was made at a different time and this uh, during this time he was uh, he was a big deal yeah so. it's fair to say that one of our changes will be the change to the cast yes so yeah but like let's get that right. one of their right changes the for the sequel was a notable change to the cast. yeah so so there so uh, one of the reasons we're doing the movie is um there is a, a sequel coming out this summer uh and uh, Patton oswald has replaced uh, lucy k as the titular character of max the dog um. Yeah. So, but uh, this movie uh, had a budget of seventy-five million dollars. It made a whopping eight hundred and seventy-five million dollars at the box office. Jesus Christ! Two million dollars more than I have some notes. Favorite Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And I feel like I've not said those words in this podcast for quite a long time. For not long enough. Yes. <laughs> um. I had no idea this this movie was that successful. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. yeah. Super Again, huge. we're we're not the target audience for this well, film. No, we, I mean that's we weren't fair. when it came out, and now we are. Like so, and I should mention this is like my my young daughter is almost two. This is the only thing she will watch on the TV. She calls it meow meow, uh, and just despite it's the fact that it's mostly about well, dogs. dogs. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I'm very very careful that she may. Uh, I'm not gonna rip. Well, I'm gonna kind of rip this movie a little bit, but anyway. Let's jump into the trailer, and then we'll do a, uh, we'll find out what's going on with this movie. 
up, guys? Any plans today? I got big plans. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait for Katie to come back. Oh, I miss her so much. She's back! She's back! Hey, Maximilian! I have some big news. Oh, Max, this is Duke. He's going to be your brother. Chloe, Chloe, I got a bad situation. Katie brought home a psychopath from the pound. I don't even have a bed now. Ah! I'm sleeping on the floor like a dog. Duke is just ruining our lives. He's ruining. It's an emergency. Aw, you little cutie pie. Max is missing. We've got to find him. Katie's going to be worried sick. We had a great thing going. I blame myself. Yeah, me too. I blame you a lot. Seriously? The Secret Life of Pets. Be a good boy, Leonard. Max is a needy dog who spends most of his day monologuing about his amazing life with his amazing owner, Katie. Every day with Katie is magical until, uh-oh, she brings home another dog. Duke ruins everything, and now Max's life is the kind of mess you pick up with a doggy bag. His jealousy leads to a series of intensely random and nonsensical hijinks. One of them involves an adorable cottontail bunny who turns out to be evil. Oh, what a subversion of expectations! Of course, in the end, Max and Duke nearly drown in the East River, thus teaching them the meaning of friendship. Say that's pretty accurate, pretty bang on. Did you write this movie, Greg? <laughs> I feel like I could have. I mean, uh, my if I ever wrote my own screenplay, it would probably be as random and, <laughs> and ridiculous as this. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm curious to see to think what you guys think of this movie because, uh, as I mentioned, um, like my this is the only thing we'll we'll put on the TV for my daughter in like little chunks. I've probably seen this movie 30 times over the last like nine months or so. You, Craig said you'd never seen it before. No. Have you seen it before? Scott? I had never seen it. Before. Okay, so you, so before I, you, I give my thoughts. You guys, uh, what, what did you think of this movie right off the hop? Well, I know Greg hated it. <laughs> yeah, I'm upset that you inflicted this on us, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why did you hate it? Um, it's just, it's just, uh, boy, it's actually kind of almost hard to describe uh, what I did not like about it. It's, um. It's like a, it had all the major trappings of like a good uh, Pixar movie where, you know, the, the, the premise was there, uh, ripe for comedy. And, and in the first probably about two or three minutes, seemed like everything was kind of on track. Um, and then all of a sudden things started to fall apart. There was, this, there was a, a, a really, really long montage of all the different pets that lived in the building yep and it it went on far too long and i was like well this seems like a bit of a problem and then and then we got into oh uh, all the the wacky hijinks that that pets get into it and it felt to me like none of them really um respected the premise because it felt to me like the premise was supposed to be like the owners go away. What do the dogs and pets do when, when the the owner is gone? And like immediately, like the they leave the the confines of the of the apartment and don't do sort of like anything interesting in there that you might think a dog might do by himself or anything like that. And it's just on to like 
chase after chase after chase and with the bombastic music playing about every two minutes or so every all everything just feels like it's it's just happening but there's no rhyme or reason for it to be happening it just happens because it needs to happen to get the pets in into the next wacky hijinks right and and i think that's as best as i can describe why (laughs) i didn't like it I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I mean, the one um, that's the one the one big criticism I have is that like at least at least, and I think I think we're or I think we're going to set the bar at, at Pixar films. Is that I think or am I it, saying that it's hard not to yeah. when you're dealing with uh, with computer animated films. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like um, like one of my favorite um, movies of the genre is is is, is Wall-E, um, and like this is nowhere like it's not even the same. Like zip code as as, <laughs> as 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 Wally is because yeah it does feel like there's just there's and I didn't I didn't really notice it because again when I'm watching it um, with my daughter it's you know we try to limit her screen time so it's always in these kind of like little half an hour chunks sure so when I actually sat down and I actually tried to like think about how the movie fits together even I don't really understand how the pieces fit because it's not really it doesn't really go in a straight line it kind of just lots of stuff happens so. Um, like, but Scott, like you hadn't seen it. What was like, what do you, what do you think of this? Um, I don't think it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are problems. Yeah. I think the third act could have been much stronger, but there is a through line to the movie. The, the basic building blocks of the plot make sense and I don't mind them. I thought the characters were fun, but not executed on correctly. Okay. Um, it's a flawed movie, yeah. but I don't know that it's a bad movie. Yeah. And again, we're not the target audience for this. For film. sure. We're not even, we're not even close to the target audience for this film. If this yeah. film struck us, it would have, it would have struck out. We'll yeah. put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fun thing Pixar has taught us is that, um, a, a good anim- animated movie can speak to a very broad audience. I would agree. And, and you could probably make the argument that it that it should do because parents are the ones who have to who, who have to endure a lot of these movies and if you just make a bunch of bright colored garbage animated movies, the parents are going to have a real rough time in the in the movie theaters for about, you know, uh, the first 8 10 years of their child's life. Yeah. So uh, and, and you know, I just, I just don't, I, I like. There's, there's an excuse is, that a lot of people make. Usually, it's about Star Wars that it was, it was made for kids, and it's like that. Well, doesn't... kids love long, dry, boring speeches about <laughs> politics <laughs> and murdering of children. Like it's yeah. well documented that those <laughs> movies are clearly targeted for children. Right, but my broader point is that like it's not. It's not an like just because you made a movie for kids doesn't mean it can't be good on many levels. Yeah. Well, and the example is Toy Story. Yeah. Toy Story Two. Toy Story Three. Toy Story Three. Yeah. Like they're, they're kids movies. <clears throat> Incredibles. Incredibles Two. <laughs> you yeah. know, Up. All these movies they 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 speak to a very broad audience, and this movie should. I mean, the the premise should be at least funny. Uh, I would argue that it's not. I did not laugh. At any point during this movie, yeah, I had a couple chuckles. I'll admit, there were some. There was, but a lot of it was because it was absurd. 
Yeah. Like the point where uh, the Viper gets crushed by rocks, but then, oh, he survived, and then he's crushed by more rocks, and then he's crushed by a bigger rock, and then the rock catches on fire. Yeah. I legit guffawed. Yeah. Because that was absurd and hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 kind of, um, um, again, we're not being not targeted to be, you know, this, but there's, you know, this the cast is littered with, you know, straight comedians, right? So, uh, but yeah, I, I find like, like, I guess for for me, I I have like I I like the movie, but I but I do find like like nothing nothing seems to connect to itself. And yeah, you, Greg talked about how that mod that mod like if I remember the trailer, the trailer was essentially just that montage, yeah, like before the opening like the opening yeah. like, title card. Which that's all. Just, that, that's like all of the all of the things I wanted to watch, but the movie wasn't about that. It was just yeah. like gave me a montage of like here's the here's the joke. Okay, now we're gonna get to a different movie altogether. Or like yeah. okay, thanks. I guess I don't know. At least you gave me some of the things I wanted to see. Yeah, and there is a huge big lipped alligator moment in this movie too, with the weird sausage musical number. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I was waiting for the dogs at that point to come out of like a dream or something like that, or for them to have been like, uh, like drunk. They're like they, there's sausage. like a yeah, yeah exactly. They're... Like I, I was expecting the the end of that to show them just you know in the in the factory just like engorged with uh, with sausages in their mouth and just like it was clear that they were dreaming about this this music sequence but then it just cuts to another scene and yeah. i was like that was weird yeah well that's like so was like, that did that actually happen huge non sequitur <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that just kind of just kind of pops pops out of nowhere i feel like that that sort of the keeps happening like there was there's one part that there's one part as an adult that like the, the, the kids won't catch it all but as an adult kind of really jars me a little bit and that's the scene where um when sort of like the, the rescue pack that's going to, to save max like digit and like uh and you know the the hawk and everyone else and they're they're walking through Times Square, and they're seeing like the the YouTube video of of Chloe the cat doing all the the prat the you know stumbling through the cheesies and that sort of stuff. And then as they round the corner, and it's only for a split second, they round they round the corner, and just it's the the characters are kind of walking in the corner of the screen, and in the middle of the screen is a billboard that says the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and Saturday Night Live is just underneath it, and it's kind of like like okay, and this is this is the Universal picture, the Universal make this Universal owns NBC, they do, it's like, did you, really, you needed to kind of just really just, even if for a split second, just be like, hey, by the way, kids, watch Tonight Show? Well, it's like Sing, there's, the back of a van at one point has a poster for Sing on it. Yeah. And it's clearly visible for, like, three minutes of Yeah. <laughs> so there's tons of shameless self-promotion. Yeah, which, again, 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 this is, I feel like that's sort of, like, the difference between this and, like, um, um, like, there's, there's making a movie, and then there's making sort of, like, a like a product, like an advertisement, and I feel like this is kind of more along that line. It's just it's there to kind of promote other things. So um, anyway, what did we like about the movie, Greg? What did, I'm going to put this on you. What did you like about it? Um, I like the the hawk. I thought he was cool. Yeah, <laughs> I like the I like the Tiberius the, the hawk. Yeah, I like the the voice actor that was playing him. I was it was a good voice. Yeah. for a hawk, it sounded. It sounded foreboding, Albert Brooks, uh, and uh, but also um, he uh, um, had a good sense of comedic timing as well. I think it was the only, I it was the only character that I kind of uh, thought was at least a little bit uh, funny. Um, 
And that is, I don't know. I don't know if I like that much more. And, and it's not that this movie is like a, like a complete disaster. It's just the rest of it is so, I don't know. The it's so kind of boring and and not interesting to me that I just yeah I just can't really uh, I can't really pick it up uh, apart any further. But yeah, I mean the the hawk was cool and uh, and I think there was I I think there was a bit uh, the, towards the end where uh, we learned Duke's backstory. I thought that Duke's backstory was actually interesting, it, but um, it needed to not be just one scene. You know, and there there could have been a lot more, uh, you know, uh, exploring uh, Duke's uh, past and why he's, right. you know, why he was in the in a, uh, a dog pound and things like that. Yeah, uh, I liked the animation. Mm-hmm. I thought the the animation was good. I thought the production design was good. I thought the the city was nice and colorful. Yeah, uh, the characters <laughs> were all distinct and and fun. Uh, I actually do like the characters in the movie. Uh, again, I don't know that they were executed on correctly, and that's going to be one of my changes. But I think that it's it's an interesting and diverse cast of animals. Let's be fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, there are there are parts, there are plot beats that I like. I just I don't think the plot is strung together as effectively as it could be, and I don't think it goes to the right place. And those are things that I would fix, but again, we'll get into that later. But overall, like there are there are chunks of this movie that I f- find quite enjoyable, and maybe that's because I haven't seen it thirty times. Yes, well, but <laughs> or you don't have a cold black heart like I. <laughs> I I think there's promise here. Yeah, uh, that maybe Greg doesn't see, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, there, there's there's stuff to like in the movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've, I think, I've, and, and actually, I'm going to point out the the cast, with one glaring exception, is actually pretty solid. Yeah, um, and that one glaring exception has been replaced for the sequel. So, hooray! Yeah. by uh, Patton Oswalt, no less. So, excellent choice. Yeah, Remy the Rat from Ratatouille. For those of you who might be able to place the voice, but don't necessarily recognize the name, um, Greg's. Uh, uh, Greg's favorite character, uh, Tiberius the Hawk, is played by Albert Brooks, who actually was uh, Marlin, aka Nemo's dad, in, in Finding, Finding Nemo. Nemo. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, so a a a, a veteran of the the children's animated features. Uh, I'm on board with um, uh, like the the animation, the design, and the colors of this movie are like bonkers. Uh, but they're they it's they're really bright, but in a soft kind of way. Um, it's also like yeah. a, I also feel like I almost feel like it's an unfair representation of of of, of Manhattan, which is in its kind of set in the fall, just because it is so colorful and kind of lively. Uh, like my wife even remarked, she's like, "Is like if New York really looked like my my wife does not want to go to New York, she doesn't like the crowds, but she's like, if New York looked like that, I would want to go, um, just because just it's almost like this majestic shiny. Yeah, well, it kind of pops, but that's also we're seeing it through the eyes of the animals, right? Yeah. And so, like, the buildings are taller. Yeah. And the colors are maybe just a little more vibrant. Yeah. And I, I kind of dig that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's definitely more dense. It's way more dense than New York actually is. But, like, the the one thing that bugged me right at the beginning of the movie, there's a, that you see the Statue of Liberty and you get past the Statue of Liberty and you're then you're looking over the East River. And it's like, that's not where the Statue of Liberty is. <laughs> They took some liberties. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, 
Yeah, and like I like the like I like all the characters. I'm I'm gonna this this might be an unpopular thing. Um, I had quite many chuckles with Kevin Hart as Snowball, the uh, the leader of the uh, the the Flesh Pets. Um, I thought for 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 me, like, that's kind of what makes the movie a little bit because yeah, like I find Max and Duke kind of kind of dull. I was getting boring. I'll admit one of the things that kind of rubbed me a little the wrong way with Snowball was simply because it's something I had seen before because I've seen Hoodwinked. I don't know if you guys have. No, I've not it's seen that. It's a bit of an older movie. It's also animated. It's like Little Red Riding Hood as Rashomon. Okay. Like it starts with Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf and the Woodsman and Granny all getting rounded up by the police at the end of the story and then them all recounting their right. version of the story. Right. And then it turns out that there's actually someone who's been manipulating events and it's the evil bunny. And oh, okay. not only is the bunny evil in that show he looks like snowball oh really so i was i couldn't help but just like oh i've seen this before like almost exactly before oh okay and that was kind of disappointing in a way but i mean it's it's a fine character the subversion of the psycho fluffy bunny okay yeah i I get why that's a fun juxtaposition um the rest of his posse was kind of fun like the tattooed pig and the weird Silence of the Lambs, Bulldog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I found Snowball entirely irritating. Like, just like, just the constant yelling, just nonstop. And, you know, it's, uh, and I didn't find, like, doesn't he kind of, like, change sides a couple times for almost no reason? He is very chaotic neutral. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I have a bit of a fix for that as well, so. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean like other than that, I mean like uh yeah, like the yeah, characters fun like the the more times I've watched it the more the more kind of I I have a kind of a, a, a more respect for the animators and their direction because like the the scenes themselves like they've are just packed with so much like little details and stuff like that that I you know, as as I as I've had to watch it more, just kind of like okay, what else can I look at in the same scene of the the wiener dog underneath like the blender getting his like tummy scratch? It's like oh wait, there's like a picture of Paris in the background and that sort of stuff. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's easy on the eyes. The the music is kind of up and down. the The score itself, like other than like when they other than when they're bringing in the oh like like you know like actual pop music and stuff like that, the score is actually pretty good. It's got this really kind of nice, kind of jazzy, kind of classical kind of score to it. So. Yeah, I don't mind the score. I just, I just wish that the the movie wasn't blasting me with hijinks music every two minutes. Yeah, so that was the part they really bought. It wasn't. It's not that well, the. It's not that the music wasn't good. It's just like I just didn't want to be assaulted with it. And so it's much. weird how like it'll it like abruptly stops too. Like there's this scene where um, Max is like they're all going out for the mock for walk and. Uh, Max is kind of walking to the beat of like it's like a sample of like um, staying alive or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, and all of a sudden they get to the park and all of a sudden it stops. It, it, it's almost like it's really kind of jarring. Like it's not faded out. It's sort of just like boom, and those there's there's no music and it's just the characters chat. It's kind of weird. So um, on that note, with it because you're, we're talking about the the park scene, like there's a little exchange between Max and Duke. As their their tension between them's ramping up, as they're jockeying for you know domination of the uh, of the apartment building or whatever, and they kind of get into a little little tiff, and then Duke grabs his leash and then drags him like across the city, 
and we get this wacky hijinks mu- music for what feels like 10 minutes. Yeah. And then at the end of it, he just throws him into a random recycling bin. Like there was no, <laughs> like he never had a plan. He just like, he just threw him into a recycling bin. And then it just so happened that the recycling bin was next to a bunch of cats. So like the whole point of that was just to get them next to the cats. Yeah. And it didn't, didn't like, there was no, there's, that's apropos of the whole movie. Like it just, there was no rhyme or reason to anything that just, it just needed to happen to get them to the next thing. Yeah. With uh, with with some yelling in between, I, I, yeah. I, 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 as I watched the movie, I'm sort of like, I wonder how much of the script is them just sort of like, okay, you need to practice your yelling because you're either being dragged by a leash, getting thrown in the air by the cats, running from your life from uh, the flesh pets, um, <coughs> multiple times, lots of ah, lots of running, running and yelling. Yeah. Uh, anything else we want to we like this movie before we start jumping into how we change it? No. <laughs> No. I, I think I've listed off the, the things that I like about it. Okay. Well, we'll take a bit of a break, and then we're going to jump back into what we would fix about Secret Life of Pets. Edmonton is full of passionate people dedicated to building a vibrant community. The Well-Endowed Podcast explores the impact that these municipal champions are having on our city. You can find episodes at thewellendowedpodcast.com. That's not getting cut. Put that in the bonus episode. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. Uh, we're talking about Secret Life of Pets. We've talked about uh, the things we liked, which, uh, well, wasn't that much. Uh, <laughs> especially so, not from my perspective. Especially not from, from Greg, who... Um, do, Scott, do you actually have pets? Do you have any pets? Not at present. I have had pets. Okay, well, you've had pets. So, uh, so uh, currently at the table right now at, at I Have Some Notes Studios, the only person in the room currently owns a pet is actually uh, Mr. Greg Beaver. Yeah. So, And I don't want to know what he does while I'm not home. Because <laughs> he's probably he's probably chewing on something, destroying something or something. I don't care. Yeah, well, well, there we go. Okay, well, how about who wants to go first as far as uh, what the changes uh, you'd like to see? Uh, oh, Everyone's Greg, looking my way. Greg is, is rolling well, up you, his sleeves. You rolled up your sleeves and kind yeah, of raised was, your uh, arms in the air. Yeah, that was uh, the That wasn't on goal. purpose. I, like we were talking so much about Game of Thrones during the uh, during the break <laughs> that I forgot to read my notes. So yeah. someone else go first. All right, I'll, I'll go first. I have uh, a couple significant changes, and they they mostly build up to the end, and that's because. Um, one of my big things is I did like the characters and it was an interesting group. And then they're mostly just kind of there. Yeah. Um, like early on when we get the little montage of what everybody's doing during their day before they hook up for their little party at Max's place. Like we see the wiener dog climb his way up to the, to the counter to use the mixing machine to scratch his back. We see the, uh, the pug barking at the squirrels. We see the little Tweety bird doing precision jet flying None of that pays off in any way. They're, when it comes to them going to rescue Max, they mostly are just there. Yeah. For almost all of them are just along to crack a joke at one point. Yeah. Maybe. And some of them, not even that much. And that was like weird to me. Like it seemed like a waste of some perfectly good and interesting characters, especially considering some of them at this juncture... Like, we've established the cat is clumsy. We've established the Tweety Bird's very good at flying. We've established the hawk 
can hunt things. And none of it has any payoff. Yeah. So we need for that to have a payoff. And the way to do that is for there to be a jailbreak at the end of the movie. So Act 2 ends with Duke taking the fall for Max. Duke gets caught by the animal control people. And Snowball's crew gets caught by the animal control people. And they get taken to the pound. That's the point where Gidget uh, catches up to Max and is like, Max, you're safe. We're going to take you home. And Max is like, no. My bro, Duke, who I like now, because we bonded over the course of our journey and our sausage hallucinations. <laughs> he took the fall for me, and I'm not leaving him. And I know that this is his last strike, and he's going to be put down yeah, at the Animal okay. Control Center. Yeah, yeah. We are going to go rescue him right now. And Snowball's on board at this point because his crew got taken. He's like, look, if you're going to go break into that Animal Control Center, I'm on board too. Let's do this. And now we have an Ocean's Eleven team ready to go in and do this heist. Okay. You've got all these animals who have all these specific skills that they're good at, and you find a way to have them jailbreak Duke and the pig and the Hannibal Lecter bulldog and the iguana yeah. out of the animal control center. And that's the big third act climax. And that gives you an opportunity for all of these animals who have all these skills to show off their skills. Yeah. The Tweety Bird has a, has a thing where he needs to do precision flying through the air vents. And the, the gerbil is able to use his knowledge of, of the layout of buildings to, to get to a specific location and, like, open up a security hatch or something. Yeah. And the cat creates a diversion by doing something super clumsy. Yeah. Like, the, you have this opportunity for all of that buildup of all of these animals' personalities to pay off. And I think that that's where the movie needed to go. Rather than the set piece on the bridge, which, eh, doesn't yeah. really do just, it is just kind of happens. Yeah, the the like the way the movie is now, like the characters just sort of kind of bump into each other. Yeah, and Gidget turns out to be a ninja. Yeah, sure, um, which yeah, is fine. She yeah. can still do that. Yeah, like she could take out some guard dogs at the animal control center. I'm down with that. Yeah. Whatever. The point is, though, you they wasted the characters, in my opinion, for the most part. Yeah, and you could have had the bigger payoff, and I think that that would have been a more exciting payoff. Yeah. To have the animals bust their friends out of the animal control center, which also was kind of built up and we never see in the movie, and then make it home in time for their owners to get home so they're none the wiser, yeah. which is part of the conceit of the movie as well. Yeah. So that is my big change. I think that we needed to build up to the big jailbreak at the animal control center. Yeah. Nope, I like it. I yeah, I think those are good changes. I uh, I definitely agree that like the they they spent all this time trying to you know setting up the different quirks of all the animals, and then it doesn't really lead to a whole much, a yeah. whole bunch. So that's a really good change. Well, and some of the characters like the pug and the Tweety Bird don't have any purpose in the plot. They could have not been in the movie. I'm pretty sure they don't even mention the bird's name until like when 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 the the. The, the search party, when Gidget sort of, like, convinces everyone to, or, like, actually, Chloe convinces everyone to be like, hey, we should go help Gidget find Max. They don't even, like, they don't even think they, they mention um, the bird, Sweet Pea. They don't mention it after that. Yeah. Like, the, after that, it's just they go to, they go to, um, uh, to you know, the, the, the old dog, Dana Carvey's house, and then they, they, as a pack, they keep moving as a pack. So, like, they're kind of one weird multi multi-animal yeah. character at that point um yeah and i think the other thing i like about yours as well is that it's it they they set up pretty early on i remember the first time i watched it they they, they set up that 
like that Duke cannot go back to the pound because yeah. he's been there before, and if he goes back, it's the end of the it's the end of the line for me. Max is his line. So, and I remember watching it the first time, going like, "Oh, so that's obviously that's for, for Duke not that, to go." But obviously, it's foreshadowing, and it actually. But and and that pays off. Duke coming to like Max. Yeah, is when Duke takes if if the animal control people catch up to them at the at Duke's old home and it looks like Max is going to get caught and then Duke takes the fall for him and Duke's like look I got you into this trouble I don't have a home to go back to I'll I'm taking the fall for this you go home give my love to our owner yeah and then like that's the huge selfless act for him that's him sacrificing himself for Max at that point yeah and that gives Max the impetus to go like I'm I'm I can't let this happen to Duke like I'm going to go and save him, and I'm going to take him home. Yeah. And lo and behold, Gidget and her team show up at that exact moment. And he's like, we're not going home. We're going to the pound. And they're like, oh, what? <laughs> and then, then, then you've got your big Ocean's Eleven moment. Yeah. And you can have a fun animal heist. Oh, wasted opportunity. Wasted opportunity. Wowzers. <laughs> that was very loud. <laughs> yeah, that sounded like they are right in the studio with us. Um... I like all this. Um, I, I, I think that, um, as I mentioned in the first half, Duke's backstory um, needs to be fleshed out a little bit more. I think the, it would make the movie a little bit more interesting. I, I was thinking that um, it is kind of like I like that, you know, in the in this in the current version, uh, they happen upon a home that used to that used to belong to, to Duke and his uh, his owner was a little bit old and he sees the his old house, and uh, he wants to go in, uh, but turns out the new family is there, and his old owner has presumably died, right? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, the cat explicitly says yeah, that the they, old owner well, yeah. died. Right, 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 right. I forgot all about the cats. See, there's so many things about this movie that I've forgotten. <laughs> That's why I keep questioning you guys, like, this is what happened, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, just to flesh that a little bit more, be, it, it, I think... It w- might be a bit more interesting and, and perhaps a little bit more tragic if if uh, if if Duke ran away from home because um, he made his owner angry. Like, let's say, okay, so the the old guy, you know, he's he's all alone. Um, he only has a few mementos left from his wife or something like that. Um, Duke eats one of these mementos and then he and then the owner gets so mad at him um you know he's he, you know he's he over overcome with grief and just sort of gets too mad at him and then duke decides to to leave and then he's caught by the animal control right and then he then through a series of events he ends up you know in uh in max's apartment uh and and then we get uh we get a more ornery um duke in the apartment so that there's there's sort of like an immediate reason for the conflict between them we don't know max doesn't know why duke is sort of a a a jerk and sort of withdrawn um all he knows is that my life used to be better than this and then duke came along and he's starting to mess things up well and that also it would add a layer to duke's immediate concern when max threatens to uh, frame him for breaking some stuff in the apartment because yeah. last time he broke something, he got like he got yeah, yeah, yelled yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, 
And it could also give Duke, because he's a dog, um, a little motivation for, like, he feels he can't go back to his old owner because his old owner was mad at him. Yeah. And it kind of makes it tragic if his old owner has since, has, like, died after that. Yeah. Because now yeah, real it's, un, it's unresolved. <laughs> he can never go and say he's sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're teaching the the uh, the target demo of kids a lesson <laughs> about it's, behaving. It's a, it's a Toy Story lesson, life that's and for death. sure. <laughs> it's kind of Toy Story lesson. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like, um, yeah, there 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 definitely need to be some sort of stakes like uh, between like Max and Duke, where where sort of like Duke shows up and he sort of like. Yeah, like his, yeah, they his, just don't kind of, they just don't like each other. And that's yeah, he just, he just kind of shows up and he's just like, oh yeah, cool, oh yeah, you're here, okay. When we can get they 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 kind of like, hey, maybe we can get along, and you know, you know, Matt, I would, uh, you know, Matt, Max, let's be honest, Max is a bit of a jerk. The kind of uh, they kind of both are, and then it yeah. actually makes it confusing because at first Max is a jerk, and then and then Duke says, hey, I can be nice, or I can be a total dick. Yeah, like you make the choice or whatever, and then that makes Duke seem unsympathetic. So now you don't, now you don't really like either of them. Yeah, but, and yet they're the stars of the movie. Yeah, I think it's it's better if I agree. I think that the characterization is better if Max is very sympathetic to start. Yeah, but then we under we come to understand what Duke's damage is. Yeah, and that makes him sympathetic, and yeah. that makes us like him around the time that Max starts to like him. Yeah. yeah. I feel I feel like yeah I feel like Max I feel like Max instead of running away like running to you know telling Katie that like oh he's a terrible dog like I feel like the the more I think about Max the less the mess less I like him just because it like he's like he's not very likable and you know when they bring Duke in he's, he's, he does say okay this is obviously a big change but. It's important to Katie, so I'm going to make you know try to make. I'm gonna make the effort. I'm gonna make an effort to it, right? And sort of like, okay, this is a big change, but um, you know, we're Katie and I are soulmates, so I'm gonna make the effort. And maybe at that point, when it gets sort of, it doesn't start off really well. That's when things fall apart, as opposed to him just saying, you know, hey, Katie, can you get rid of this? I mean, also, you know, I'll set set this up as well, where you know, Gidget Gidget is madly in love with Max, and Max is like. Oblivious, you know, oblivious, but also, and I wouldn't say I'm like he was kind of rude, right? Like he's little, like a little too, like there's. I wouldn't say rude, but I would say dismissive. Yeah, but I mean, there's no, there's nothing about Max that sort of you're never really cheer, you're never really cheering for him. Yeah, like there's, there's nothing, there's no, you're not, you're not emotionally invested in him getting anywhere, and maybe that plays the movie where where it is to Greg's point about the movie being sort of hijink after hijink after hijink after hijink. Like I wonder if the movie lacks a little little bit of heart that way. How about uh, instead of Max being uh, forever in love with his owner? Um, I mean, he appreciates his owner, but he's not. It's not sort of like this we're soulmates sort of thing. He kind of almost he has it so good that. Uh, he kind of doesn't really appreciate what he, he has. Kind of takes her for granted. Yeah, and that and and that plays against what we've done with with Duke, where where he he, he desperately wants and needs the approval of his owner uh, because he screwed up so badly before with the previous one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I I like that, and it also gives Max an opportunity for growth when he temporarily loses that. Yeah. 
during the course of the day when they lose their collars, they're going to be rounded up by animal control. He's far from home uh, in a strange place with a dog he doesn't like. And like he comes to realize, oh, like I've been I've been living it up in the apartment with my owner all this time. And now that I'm now that I'm on the mean streets for these few hours in the afternoon, <laughs> I've seen the other side, man. Would we would we maybe even set that up where where basically when he's recruited by Snowball and the Flesh Pets that maybe Max is sort of like yeah you know what like again not knowing what the other side is like and one 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 of my not one of my change one of my questions for you guys is do we would we want to actually have Max and Duke spend more time with the Flesh Pets on some sort of caper so like that they're actually they're actually involved in some sort of like plan that Snowball has and that like. So maybe when they're recruited, it's less about survival, more like, like Max is sort of like, well, yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm tired of being, you know, like, you know, going out for walks and that sort of stuff and being left alone. I want to have this freedom then, uh, you know, even spending a little bit of time with, with the flesh pets going at that point, kind of like, oh, well, actually, I actually had it pretty good. Right. Like, um, is there something, something there? Like. Like I I, uh, I, I, think, I I hate to cut the viper scene because it's like one of the better parts, especially with all when the the catches fire. But I kind of wonder where whether if we remove that, it's just like, hey, you're part of Flesh Pets. By the way, now we're this is the next step. We're going to go do this this thing, and they get to kind of bond. Max do get to kind of bond a little bit, and they kind of both realize that hey, this is not for us. Or they, that helps them come together a little. I bit. would almost I would almost remove this whole secret society thing. I don't think that. Uh, well, maybe I guess it does play into our theme a little bit with it the, because they hate owners, but, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't like you were saying earlier that, that with the whole, the entire third act is, uh, it would be in sort of in a jailbreak from the pound. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe the, they, they are sort of like the answer, the extra villains in the, in the movie, in the extra conflict where that, uh, that they have trying but, to get out of the, out of the pound or something like that. I don't know. Cause they are kind of the secondary antagonist in the movie. Yeah. As it currently stands in as much as there are antagonists in this movie. Yeah. It's very weird, but, um, <laughs> huh. I don't know. I don't know what to do with the flesh pets. I think they're. I think they're a fun idea, but the way that we're moving the plot, they're becoming less important. Yeah, yeah. I th- I agree that there's there's still a thematic reason to have them there, but we just need to we need yeah. to find a reason for them to still be there. And I I do kind of like the idea of Snowball coming in with the crew to bust because his boys got taken along with Duke. I think that that's there's still something there. Much the way that they were in the movie into the into the the van, but then the van didn't make it to the pound. That was the important thing. The van should have yeah. made it to the pound. Or maybe they maybe maybe we cut these flesh pets completely, and then you just have the the hawk as sort of like the the trust, like the 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 obviously evil character who you subvert expectations at first that he's like he's trying to help them get out, and then he kind of betrays them, kind of thing. It might even be interesting to if you were gonna if you were gonna remove the flushed pets completely, and you wanted to have a secondary antagonist in addition to the threat from the from the uh, animal control people who are after Max and Duke, you could have just 
Tiberius be a wild hawk living in New York Mm -hmm. who catches on to the rescue crew and is like, well, that's a bunch of tasty animals and is hunting them through the city while they're trying to get to Max as a secondary villain. But then at the point where they're looking to get into the pound to break them out, something happens that changes his mind and he decides, I'm going to help you guys out. Because I think I think then the fun turn is for him to actually be like, no, okay, you're doing a jailbreak. Yeah. I'm in. What and we, that, what, and what that gives we... that gives like a bunch of action beats as they make their way towards the yeah. towards the pound because that then then they have to they've got a chase scene where they've got to run away from the hawk kind of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. What if uh, what if even if we're gonna do that like so maybe so um, if they're trying to big, bust out Duke and Snowball if Snowball's still around busting out his crew maybe the hawk has. Family member, brother, wife, sister, kids that is in the, the animal patrol as well. Or Tiberius got rounded up earlier and they end up having to bust him out too. Yeah. And he's like, no, take me with you. Yeah. Then and helps them get out. I'll, I'll, I'll be your best friend. At that point, I'll be your best friend. Yeah. And then there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's nice. Pretty good. Great. I mean, we, you, we, 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 I mean added... we lose Kevin Hart, but. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> we added a, a little extra tragedy to this movie. But I think the real tragedy is that it's 10 p.m. on a Wednesday, and we're sitting here seriously discussing the merits of Secret Life of Pets. I think we've actually made it a better movie. I I I agree. It's a tough job, but someone has to do it. We Uh, had to make a tough cut with the flushed pets, but (laughs) I I kind of agree. In the end, I think uh, cutting them, making Tiberius the secondary villain, uh, cleans it up. Yeah. Nicely. Yeah. 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 Uh, you too can get it on the note having. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at I Have Some Notes. We'll let you know what movie is coming on and you can get your notes read right on the show. We asked you what is one thing you would change about Secret Life of Pets, and here's what you said. Uh, Andrew says, There's one part that is far more scary than any other part of the movie. The snake scared the living daylights out of my son, who was five at the time. It was thematically totally out of proportion with the rest of the movie, and I liked the movie more than I thought I would. So well, would be we just cut Viper. the Viper, so... Yeah. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah. Hey, you're welcome, yeah. It was a funny scene, but we just cut it from our version of the movie, so... You'll be avenged, Viper, as uh, as Kevin Hart you, said. You didn't deserve that. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, you, you probably did. You bit a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Probably a long time coming, really. <laughs> um, yeah, Lucia from uh, the APN show Repodcasting says, Apart from their obvious recasting that needs to be done... Cough, cough, Lucy K. I would also like to calm it down a bit. I know it's for kids, kids, but I found it exhausting during a scene they were in the animal control truck. Uh, which one? That's uh, they're in that truck a lot. Uh, it was as though they were trying to make an action movie, and it felt gratuitous. So I, I could think that's a valid criticism. Like that speaks to Greg's uh, comment about just. I like, mean, they're to, always running. To be fair, we just suggested that there be some fun chase scenes with the hawk. And that it ends with a jailbreak. So, well, I mean, there's still gotta be like, there's still gotta be action beats. They just, I mean, it just, it, it, it just it can't be wall to wall, wall yeah. to wall. Let the let the let the show have time to breathe with some yeah. of the slower bits with Duke's backstory. Yeah, and and Max coming yeah. to understand his new roommate <laughs> has some his have some. Brother, what do you really? call those character moments? Yeah, yeah let's try those. Uh, and uh, Danica from Varied Edition, uh, our good friends there, uh, says, needs more cats? Really? Because there are a lot of cats in this yeah. movie. Well, she's also just, she hasn't seen it. But, okay, fair uh, enough. If you Danica, had, there are a lot of cats in this movie. If you hadn't said Tiberius would be the other villain, I was actually, I thought you were actually going to say, 
like the army of cats. The alley cats? The, the, the alley cats would be the other villains. So I mean, they are kind of jerks. Yeah. But they're, I mean, they're entry-level jerks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still down with them taking their co- like steal rolling the two dogs and taking their collars which is what gets them in the in, right yeah in like stray dog trouble yeah uh and then but rather than tiberius grabbing one of them if he's going to be our secondary villain like gidget and her crew roll the cats yeah and right. and get the information out of them themselves now did they take did they take their collars solely for the pur- purpose of them getting to to be jerks? Yeah, because yeah, they're shaggy. That's, that's strongly implied that the cats are just being jerks. Okay. Because cats is jerks. Yeah. yeah. They like shiny things. And they got claws, so why not? So crows like shiny things, and they've got claws. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, that's it for us, friends. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and I have some notes. Uh, if you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps us out. You can find our episodes on the CKUA radio app. Download it from the Apple App Store. Remember to check out all of the Brother and Sister uh, podcasts over at the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV. We post new episodes every second week, so tune in two weeks from now when the next episode will be another movie. To be determined. To be determined. Probably. Uh, Cool world. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, boy. Now you you just just set us up for it. (laughs) Uh. Friends, there's a lot of, a lot of podcasts out there. Um, we thank you for taking the time to listen to ours, and uh, we will see you next time. Keep watching the skies. Four Hawks. Caca! <laughs> This episode is brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV. And guess what? So are we. And who are we? Well, I'm Josh. And I'm Alan. And we're pressed there to join. We have a weekly podcast bringing you current events from everything from gaming to comics to technology, security, all that fun stuff. And every episode we bring you a recommendation for something we think you might like, and uh, we've got a special Bad Descriptions game that we're playing every week now that Josh hosts. Yeah, new for 2019, I've written a whole bunch of bad descriptions of things that seemingly makes no sense, but once you know what it's to, it's painfully obvious. And then at the end of every month, we do a deep dive into the history of a gaming company, franchise, or... Just even technology. We've done arcade cabinets one time. Popular things like Mario, and then things you don't know about, like Earth Defense Force. You can check us out at psjshow.com, albertapodcastnetwork.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So as always, thank you all very much for listening. And thanks for pressing start. Pressing start.